Hi, this is David Sweet, CEO and founder of Focus Core Japan. And if you were like many of the APAC leaders that I speak to, you're struggling in Japan to find the right talent. You get bombarded with irrelevant resumes or a lack of resumes altogether. I would like to invite you to discover the power of Focus Core's retained search. Let Focus Core help you swiftly secure top tier talent in this candidate short market. I'd like to invite you to shoot me an email and explore how we're different. And with a 100% refundable trial, we can revolutionize your hiring process today. Now, on to our podcast. How was it? Good, I didn't stutter. Nice, nice. <laughs> Good day and welcome to the Focus Core podcast. I'm very excited to be live. This is the first time to do a face to face、uh, since COVID, which is exciting. And also, I'm in the Jones Lang LaSalle's beautiful offices in Akasaka Mitsuke. And what's even more wonderful is that、uh, my colleague, William Cruz, will be、uh, helping us on this podcast to. Be talking to the senior director, Joris Burkout, as well as Felice Dumas,、uh, who will be sharing with us a bit about、uh, the Tokyo market. But before we get started,、uh, we'll have. Hi there, William. Hey, David. So,、uh, yeah, when we have、uh, William, you introduce yourself first and then get us started, please. Yeah,、uh, like David said,、uh, I work at Focus Core, I handle accounting and finance、uh, searches. And、uh, I'm originally from the US,、uh, been in Japan for six years now, originally in Totori, but、uh, got tired of the Inaka life, so I moved out to the big city. Cool. Thank you. Welcome, and I'm glad you're helping me with this. And、uh, how about we, we start off with、uh, Joris?、Uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you over here at our offices. And,、uh, And to be on, on the podcast. I'm very much looking forward to the,、uh, to the discussion. So, quickly about myself I'm from the Netherlands originally. I've been in Japan about 12 years now with a background、uh, in design architecture.、Mm -hmm. And then more and more I went towards the real estate side of, that, of the business.、Um, and I'm supporting now tenants.、Uh, as a tenant representative, I help them with their lease negotiations、um, and other、uh, parts of commercial real estate as well. Great. Well, just.、Uh Real quick tangent, why, what brought you to Japan? Japanese architecture and、nice. design. Okay. Any specific architecture you enjoy? Which is still、uh, sort of a hobby、uh, of mine. In particular,、uh, really the modern type of, of Japanese architecture. Not, not even, you know, temples are, are beautiful as well, but there are some,、uh, some very beautiful modern buildings、uh, around.、Cool. That's wonderful. And, uh, and uh, Felicen? Yes, thank you for the introduction. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. I'm very happy to be here.、Um, yeah, just a brief introduction to myself. My name is Fulisin Duma. I'm、uh, half French, half Japanese. I've been bouncing around mostly Asia, in Singapore and Japan as a child. And then I went over to the States、uh, to study university and play a little bit of soccer there.、Um, so there I studied finance.、Um, I ended up playing professional soccer there for about a year. 
and then I came here to Japan uh, mainly to re sort of connect with the Japanese side of, of my heritage. And uh, I actually came here as a sales trader working for a small company um, that was founded by these two ex, ex Goldman Sachs traders. Uh, we dealt mostly in crypto and FX. Um, obviously, that market imploded a bit uh, over the last year or two. And uh, that's where I was lucky enough to, to meet yours. And uh, I came to join JLL at the beginning of this year. So I'm very excited to be working under yours and, and the greater JLL team. And of course, to be here on this podcast with you both. Great. Awesome. Um, I think it'd be great to just jump into uh, talking about the, the Japan market a little bit. Um, maybe the, the first thing we could really start with is uh, what is a common myth about your job or your field of expertise? Well, I think that, I mean, many people, of course, in their own personal lives, like they deal with real estate and finding apartments, buying places, mm -hmm. etc. So it's an industry, I think, where a lot of people you know, have experiences with. And um, it's, of course, known, especially in Japan, it tends to be quite conservative. It can be hard to find an apartment, you know, all sorts of things as key money, etc. Um, on the commercial side of real estate, which we work mostly with, yeah, you see similar things. Uh, landlords can be quite conservative. Um, but at the same time, I think um, the vacancy rates are going up. It's becoming a much more tenant-friendly market, and we'll get into that more later on. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do see, I think, uh, a bit of landlords are opening up, and some certain things are becoming possible that were not possible uh, before. Okay. Nice, nice. Um, well, another thing is, uh, you know, Felician and I talked about it a little bit previously, but um, it's about the transformation of the office into a social hub, and that's a big trend going on right now. So, uh, what factors have contributed to this shift? Yeah, I think um, I mean obviously with COVID, everyone was working remotely for a while, and um, you know from the year from the years after that, I think the majority of the workforce got comfortable working from home. Mm -hmm. And the social hub here really um, was an area or is an area where we can all gather and, mm -hmm. and obviously socialize and uh, collaborate on projects. And part of the reason why it was constructed is because we it's easier to encourage employees to come back to the office rather than to set a mandate and require them to come back to the office. So mm -hmm. the social hub is a really nice way to sort of encourage employees to come back to the office, mm -hmm. collaborate and share ideas and work on projects together in person mm -hmm. in an environment that's quite relaxed and not as maybe stressful or as rigid as what you would expect a typical office workplace to be like. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And, and you guys are in a new office as well. so. Uh, do you use this office almost like a showroom as well? Too? Certainly, yeah. I think it's almost becoming a, a tourist spot. In uh, if you look at how many people are visiting, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's very much uh, every company that we work with, and including Jell ourselves, just now management is thinking: how are we going to bring people back at least a couple of days a week? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's after three years in the pandemic, it's clear that for a lot of companies. The, fully remote has a lot of drawbacks mm -hmm. uh, of course you know bringing everyone back every day is also not going to work so mm -hmm. it's finding that balance in the middle and it's about you know luring the employees back mm -hmm. attracting them to the office uh, with a, you know a space that fosters collaboration and communication those are really the key topics that we are seeing nowadays nice nice and um, maybe if we can put into an average what are you guys seeing is uh, the average days per week that people are going into the office now 
it's actually uh, it depends a lot on the company and even mm-hmm. within the same industry we see a big divergence uh, in general, I, I do see that, as mentioned, that the f- many companies are stepping back from fully remote. Mm-hmm. And so I think we'd see two, three days, maybe four, mm-hmm. if it's more uh, as, a, as an average in the market. But again, there's, there's a lot of different uh, strategies going right. on. And, and most offices aren't at full capacity anymore ever since COVID, right? Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot more. Um, People are now back to five days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that in the offices themselves. We also see that in the vacancy rates in mm-hmm. the market. Uh, it was incredibly tight market before COVID. Uh, vacancy rate close to zero percent. Tenants really having to fight hard to and search to get an office space, huh. and that's now at, at close to five percent. So it's, it's mm-hmm. certainly we see there is much mm-hmm. more literally space available in the market. Oh, that's great. That's really good for uh, for JLL actually. How many? How many people are usually coming into the office? Is it like at 30% capacity or something like that? I believe on average it's about, it's between 80 to 90%. Oh, wow. Yeah, coming back to the office. That's that's on average. Mm-hmm. Um, already we're seeing a bit of a small issue mm-hmm. with, um, I mean, when we first constructed this office, we had anticipations that you know people would be coming back to the office a bit slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wouldn't be um, as crowded, if you can say, in the office. Mm-hmm. But slowly, because it's such a nice office, because people actually like coming back to the office, we're seeing a lot more people coming back. Mm-hmm. And now, because we implement hot desking, some days it's actually quite hard to find available space. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 not an issue yet mm-hmm. um, but is it interesting to see this this sort of inflow of people coming back to the office much quicker than we anticipated i think there's yeah. a sort of critical mass once people are going back to the office it actually adds value to go there as well mm-hmm. and collaborate and work together mm-hmm. i mean if either way people are at home then there's no real value to come to the office either so i think that is one of the factors that leads to quite high uh, office attendance rates in, in our case Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We see it in our industry as well. <laughs> yeah. um, and you said something interesting, how you're trying to make it attractive for people to come back to the office. That hot desking is one of the things, the collaboration. Is there anything else that JLL has done to make it uh, more attractive for people to come back to the office? So I think it's uh, we have a very comfortable office with a social hub, lounge areas, activity-based workings, different uh, types of seating. Mm-hmm. It's also uh, it's got well and leak platinum, so it's a very comfortable environment uh, to be in. Okay. Um, so that's I think that really and it's the other thing is really providing sort of the, uh, the, the the software, so to say. So the policies that we have, you know, there is um, free drinks on certain afternoons. There's mm-hmm. free snacks. There's content sort of provided to create those collaborations mm-hmm. in the office, mm-hmm. and those are I think both very important components. Okay, that's great and. Uh, how do you measure the success of JLL's efforts to create a social hub and foster good internal relationships in the modern office? Um, so we track the occupancy over the day, and I think there's surveys among employees going on. Uh, and so far, it's, it's really good feedback that we're getting. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, one thing that David had mentioned also was, uh, you know, with AI coming in a little bit. That that might free up some space in the offices. Do you guys see anything moving towards that way, or it's too soon to tell? 
I think it's still quite soon to really see how that's going to impact a lot of jobs. It's really an, an ongoing technology. We see it, it's, it's disrupting a lot of industries, including real estate mm -hmm. uh, as well. So I, I think it'll, it'll take a bit more time for that to really play out. Uh, but then again, I also know that mm -hmm. Japan is a very tight recruiting market. So I think <laughs> those employees, if they lose one job, they might mm -hmm. uh, find another one uh, somewhere as well and occupy that desk. Oh, okay. Question about the so this for your social hub you have that here which is very unique for JLL. What about you know you deal with so many clients? Do a lot of them have you seen a trend for them doing the same thing in order to entice employees back, or do you see companies just moving, downsizing, and not worrying too much about it and just saying okay we'll just go remote? How, how do you guys see that? Now, and then second part of the question is going forward the next kind of one to three years. So the meaning of the office has definitely been shifting a little bit since COVID from purely like a place where you go, individual work can also be done at home. Mm -hmm. So you see much more that collaborative component becoming important in the office. Mm -hmm. um, it is important though as well to also in the office provide you know concentration places uh, phone booths are another thing that is becoming essential to have mm -hmm. uh, uh, in your office uh, because people I think virtual calls are, are not going away mm -hmm. um, so in, in that sense we see uh, the functions in the office uh, changing a little bit and adapting mm -hmm. yeah I think also going back to your comment about our office being a bit of a showroom we have a lot of clients ask us those exact same questions about how they can implement any sort of workplace changes to their offices and one of the more difficult parts for them is to actually come up with the ideas of what to do and so an easy way for them to figure out how it can be implemented and to really sort of absorb the effect of of sort of this trend mm -hmm. they'll actually come here to our office and they can have a look around and see what we're doing so um, as Viris mentioned I mean it's very easy for you know our clients or or any sort of you know, real estate managers for other firms to be able to come to our office, get some ideas about how, you know, they can encourage and foster sort of a more positive environment in their own office. So, I mean, one of the things that I get most commonly with clients is that when they come to our office, they see how much greenery there is here. So it feels really great and, you know, fresh and relaxing. And, you know, a lot of offices, I think, currently don't really have that. But moving forward, it's quite easy to implement. And they sort of get these ideas right, just coming to our office, which we sometimes use as a showroom, but you know, it helps our clients in a way to, to come up with these ideas that they can then implement in their own offices. Yeah. I know William and I, when we're meeting CEOs across the city, the number one challenge that they have, they want a hybrid work style. But engagement and keeping that engagement mm -hmm. is so critical. So there's do you demand people back or so in some ways you're giving it's not you let the you're not doing a hybrid or you're not demanding people back but you're kind of giving that third option of oh let's make it a, a nice place to go to work which I, I find uh, enticing as well and it's, it's exceptional yeah that's awesome for for the the ideas that you know clients get after seeing the office what do you see is aside from the greenery what's another one that they really take away implement I think um, one of the small things that we did is on, on the phone booths uh, we've installed little traffic lights so to say you can easily see 
a call coming in. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, there's a booth available. It's green, like on the far end of the office. You can really see that from mm-hmm. like, directly. It's just a small thing where you know, as JLL, of course, we have our own office, you know, design and fit out specialists as well. So we, we can really, um, mm-hmm. you know, take this to the full advantage for our own space. We have a couple of those small little tweaks that I think work very well. Mm-hmm. Nice. I had seen those coming up a little bit, those uh, traffic lights. Thing. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. It, when we compare it to, like, uh, you know, the traditional office where one company's in the office and, uh, you know, like uh, the shared office spaces like the WeWorks, what changes are you seeing there? Um, well, one of the things that we see a lot of clients are uh, tenants struggling with now in the challenge of the market is that, yes, the leasing market is much more tenant-friendly, but mm-hmm. the construction market certainly is not. So it's, it's quite expensive to go and fit out your own office space. So we do see, um, and also, um, this sort of flexible office space or co-working or serviced office. I mean, there's a lot of words and different nuances in that market, mm-hmm. but it does offer a really kind of plug-and-play solution, which is quite attractive for some companies. And previously, we, we especially saw lots of small firms that mm-hmm. just set up their Japan business. They were in a serviced office. And I think now what we see happening, there's a lot of very large, more corporate-focused mm-hmm. um, facilities and co-working centers coming on the market. Also, larger companies are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they can combine that actually with sort of a hybrid workforce, which can work from anywhere. They can mm-hmm. have subscriptions. There will be like a headquarter location, mm-hmm. and they can use other locations as well that might be more closer to their home. It's and quite convenient. That's yeah. definitely something, uh, an interesting new strategy that we mm-hmm. see uh, happening in the market. Now, I didn't realize before today that you guys actually can represent. Uh, uh, leasing offices as well, like we work. So I thought that was interesting. It's a, a big takeaway for me today as well that uh, uh, listeners can capitalize on. No, yeah. yeah, we support a lot of tenants and we can compare uh, traditional space versus flexibly leased space, co-working, uh, and all sorts of other models. So we really a holistic picture of the market. Brilliant. Yeah. Or... Um, you know, going back to those places like WeWork and all of that, do you see any certain types of industries that go into those offices where it's different? Some stay more, they get their own space versus others like to be in more collaborative shared office like that? I think there's always certain industries that are more sensitive about security, mm-hmm. uh, privacy of data. So I think typically the financial industry is still, I mean, there's a few examples where mm-hmm. they are in those sorts of facilities, but they, they tend to really want to have their own space with a door that can be locked, essentially. Um, and I think maybe on the other hand of the spectrum, you see, I mean, the IT industry is typically um, a bit you know, more forward-thinking, and I mm-hmm. do see quite a few clients there that are in, in um, flexible space. But we recently see we com- uh, consumer firms, um, pharmaceuticals have worked with a few that have their actual headquarters in a, mm-hmm. in a WeWork um, or even I think Felician you've been working on the energy and infrastructure. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So actually I mean Japan, I think the energy market in Japan is actually quite attractive for a lot of these um, global energy companies to, to enter the market here and, and I mean it's much as Rose mentioned, it's much more flexible to enter into these service office lease agreements than mm-hmm. it is to enter into these traditional office lease mm-hmm. agreements. So a lot of them haven't just entered the Tokyo market or the Japan market as a whole. It's it makes a bit more sense for them to mm-hmm. enter a more flexible lease option. So they tend to go with these service offices. So 
it does tend to be, well, sometimes you see trends in industries where all of a sudden you see an influx of, for example, energy companies coming to Japan. So、mm -hmm. typically, or at least the last couple months or so, I've been seeing and dealing with a lot more energy companies、mm -hmm. moving into these service offices.、Oh, that's interesting.、Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've seen a little bit of it too.、Um, a lot coming from like、uh, Europe and the Americas.、Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an、yeah. interesting trend to see across different industries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good.、Mm -hmm. And、uh, you touched on the,、uh, the vacancy rates. So, how do you see them going since you said they're improving from、uh, COVID times? Yes, so we're at、uh, 4.8% right now for、mm -hmm. grade A office space in central Tokyo.、Mm -hmm. uh, typically, 4% is seen sort of as, as the dividing line between if it's below that, it's a landlord friendly market. If it's above、mm -hmm. that, it's a tenant friendly market. So, that's, an, I think, an important shift that we've seen.、Um, looking at Um, of course, this was very much driven by tenants you know, reducing their office sizes,、mm -hmm. handing back space, hybrid work. Most of those trends, of, you know, the companies that wanted to do that have had a chance to do so.、Mm -hmm. So we've kind of seen that stabilize. In fact, a few companies are actually back to growth,、um, taking back some space, they hand it back.、Um, so, so that is a stabilization we see in the market. On the other hand, we do see now on the new supply side,、mm -hmm. there is a、mm -hmm. lot of Very, very large scale new buildings, and I'm sure all the listeners,、yeah. when you walk around, we all see it right in Tokyo. We、yeah. see these big new buildings,、mm -hmm. and that is definitely so. Even though there is an uptick in demand, so the uptick in supply is even bigger, and, and we do see the vacancy、mm -hmm. rates going、uh, to above 5%、mm -hmm. uh, in、oh, wow. the coming years. So we expect that this tenant friendly market is here to stay for a little longer.、Mm -hmm. When's the last time Tokyo's seen that? Uh, when it, we had the,、uh, the global financial crisis or the Lehman shock, as they say here, I believe we were at、um, 6%. It's been、uh, a long time. It's very much like、mm -hmm. a short peak.、Mm -hmm. so, but it's been a while, yeah.、Mm -hmm. And for listeners who are overseas you know, that might be wanting to come into Japan, put that in context. So 4.8% compared to you know, Singapore or to New York, where, where would we be at here? I think right now, when we all read in the news as well, especially the US、okay. office market is doing very、uh, bad in the sense the vacancy rates are very high. San Francisco, New York, I believe,、mm -hmm. above 15%. It's、okay. just,、uh, definitely not、oh, like、wow. that.、Mm -hmm. um, within Asia,、um, actually, the vacancy rate in Singapore is quite low.、Okay. Um, so there's a lot of demand in, in Singapore.、Um, so, in that sense, I think Tokyo is, is somewhere in the middle, I would say. Good. Yeah, so I know we have a, a lot of clients that are APAC, that some want to come into Japan or expanding in Japan. So they're always kind of curious to know what that real estate market is when, when they're coming into Japan. Yeah, and seeing a lot of buildings、uh, you know, being constructed, what area of Tokyo do, we see, do you see most of the development coming in? Yeah, I mean,、um, Toronto Mall is actually a massive.、Um, Area right now, where there's a huge supply of buildings、mm -hmm. being constructed or being very close to being constructed at the moment.、Um, so, there's a ton of supply there. They're already attracting several large clients, and with those large clients that are being sort of attracted to that area. There will be more,、uh, more big clients being attracted、yeah. to the area as well. So it's sort of like a cascading effect.、Yeah. Right? Like once, you, once you're able to attract one big client there, then other clients will say, oh, hey, they're there. So 
you know, it would be good for our company, give us good brand image as well to be in that mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. So Toronto is definitely one of those areas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also an international school that's being constructed, so that'll attract more tenants as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, international school attracting typically, um, you Ex-pats, know, parents, yeah. Yeah, expats. Um, so, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Tokyo is never short of, of new developments and new projects. So at least for the next couple of years, we're going to see supply continue to increase. And again, alluding to the fact that it will remain a tenant-friendly market for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think also recently we've seen a few new buildings on the eastern side of Tokyo Station. So in addition yeah. to Toronto, we really see that Yaisu side of yeah. Tokyo Station. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll have the coming five to ten years a couple more mm-hmm. very very large-scale buildings along the Nihonbashi River as well mm-hmm. and then further south it's, it's really also the whole stretch along the JR Yamanota line that from Hamascho all the way down to Shinagawa that will see massive uh, new redevelopments in the coming five years so there's certainly no shortage of new office buildings being built in the market. Mm-hmm. That's great and you're an architect and you're a fan of Japanese architecture. How does this feel for you watching all of this develop? <laughs> it's, it's very interesting and also I think uh, the fact that we do see a more tenant-friendly market also means the landlords have to work a bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of them are thinking on these new buildings, like how can we create more value for tenants, how can mm-hmm. we make a better, more attractive building uh, when it comes to uh, amenities for employees, but also certainly on you know sustainability and those things the real estate that's a whole different topic of course but it's very important for a lot of tenants to be in a building that helps them meet their own sustainability targets and we do see landlords now uh, previously they barely had any certifications or if they had it was only Japanese ones we now see major landlords getting a US lead accreditation for their buildings um, so it's, it's very interesting to see that the quality of the space being provided is definitely improving. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we wanted to touch on, right? Sustainability. Because yeah. that's a big thing for JLL in general. I mean, you go through and you guys, one of your core uh, tenets is around sustainability. What else do you see that companies are doing within the Japan market for sustainability? Yeah, so for JEDA as a whole, it's, it's a very important topic, and we have very ambitious targets um, for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have um, a, a dedicated sustainability consulting team mm-hmm. um, here in Japan, and, and they advise uh, tenants, occupiers mm-hmm. of office space, but also operators and developers of buildings as to how to basically create um, a more sustainable environment. And it could either be for like their own office fit out mm-hmm. to get a, uh, say a lead certification for that or it could be about say an owner of an older building who's struggling to attract tenants to help advise them on hey how can this building be improved and how can it become more sustainable mm-hmm. uh, etc is that expensive for these old because there's so many old buildings around right mm-hmm. is it expensive for these uh, landlords to to convert and to try and upgrade so that they're able to attract tenants in yes, that way? Uh, I think that's definitely something we're going to see more uh, as we see the vacancy rates rise. It, it's going to be concentrating, especially in, in the older buildings, the ones that are further from the stations, 
Um, because again, if everyone's office could be, you know, say twenty percent smaller, then they all want it to be in the best place. Right. Yeah. Especially if we get into the discussion of, you know, how do we bring our employees? How do we get them to come back to the office? Mm -hmm. If it's a ten-minute walk from the station, that um, is a big hurdle. It, it's seen as it's quite far in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's really those buildings that are less attractive and older, and there we're going to see, I think, going forward, uh, renovations. Um, they might be redeveloped, repositioned. Um, other asset classes in real estate are definitely mm -hmm. booming, uh, residential, hotels, etc. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be very interesting, I think, in the coming years, how that's going to play out. Mm -hmm. um, Can you imagine going to the office, a 10-minute walk on a day like today, 35 degrees, Oof. no shade? <laughs> that's a big thing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's why well, we're wearing polos today. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for cool biz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what would be, um, going back to um, creating a social hub, I'm always aware of having our listeners being able to do things. Uh, what are some things that you see that companies, uh, managers, even in their own spaces now, can start doing to create social hubs that would help entice employees back into the office space? I think it ties a little bit into what I was maybe saying on it's not just the hard sort of the design mm -hmm. and the hard services but also the soft services and we do see a little bit of a blend in between sort of the hospitality industry and, and the office buildings where it's really the type of hospitality that some people would expect to see in a hotel being provided in the workplace. Now that's of course not something that everyone can do, but it could be as small as, as really, and we spoke about it briefly, is to, you have your space, the social life, but also mm -hmm. make sure that, say, weekly, there's some activity being planned there, mm -hmm. there's some, you know, content, something that will bring the people actually to the office mm -hmm. um, together to do some activity. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be something to support, you know, the, the neighborhood or anything, mm -hmm. or it could be uh, just some drinks on Friday afternoon. It, it can, be many things, but really provide that content. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I know uh, some companies they have like they'll have a masseuse come in, mm -hmm. or they they'll come in <laughs> and they have uh, you know movie night yeah. uh, and, and things like that. So yeah. th that makes it attractive yeah. for for employees coming back to yeah. the office as well. Mm -hmm. One of the most interesting ones I saw was uh, offices that allow people to bring their pets. Mm. So you'll see the cats and the dogs in there. So it's interesting. They have to be trained, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, I think what's what, I mean, I guess just a brief example of what we're about to do. I believe it's in a month or so. I mean, we have a family and friends day. I think that's quite common for other companies as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, it's just a, it's just a great way to get people up to the office and, and yeah. again, sort of encourage people to come back and not have to mandate them to come back. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. We've also seen surveys among employees how many days they want to work and how year they come want to come back to the office, especially the younger generation. Mm -hmm. um, I think in Japan, a lot of companies, especially domestic ones, have, have kind of a strong focus on on-the-job training rather than formal training programs. Mm -hmm. And in that case, it's especially important to really be in the office and be able to learn from your mm -hmm. environment. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, 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 it, those younger generations, they really are they're keen to come back. Mm -hmm. As we see, maybe some of the more older generations, they're mm -hmm. also comfortable at home and they already mm -hmm. have all their networks within the company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe that is something that the, the activities also can be tailored to to, mm -hmm. bring, uh, mm -hmm. to bring everyone back. Mm 
I think maybe as a younger, as a member of the younger generation, I can allude to the fact that <laughs> it's definitely much easier learning in the office from, you know, senior managers as opposed to being at home and maybe asking them on Teams or, or on chat. Um, so it's definitely much more helpful, mm. I guess. And I think JLL does a good job of at least employing a good range of across the age demographic as well. So we're not very... You know, we're not young, heavy. We're not old, heavy. I think we're very well balanced. So, again, I think it comes back to the whole idea of collaboration. So young people can learn from mm. the more senior members of the company, and vice versa. I think senior members can also maybe not learn as much, but <laughs> learn something from the younger generation, right? But um, yeah, I mean, all in the name of collaboration. I think uh, it's it's quite easy, at least within this company, mm. for us to work together. Yeah. It's it's huge. There's so much impromptu learning that goes on mm. in the office. I mean, you can have OJT and you can formalize things, but there's you, it's there's so much when you just slide over and go, oh, William, you you got this uh, new software. Can you teach me how to do it?" And, you know, pretty soon he's giving uh, an impromptu course for four people in the office who are there. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And that's actually a true story for, you know, how we started using the software in our mm -hmm. office. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to happen when people are at home because mm -hmm. I just probably won't have impetus to just to mm -hmm. call up William to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so important to have at least a, a potential to bring that mm -hmm. together, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. definitely. That's something I saw a lot for retention too, specifically for like accounting and finance. Mm -hmm. People who just started a new job felt so much pressure to communicate with, you know, other internal stakeholders when it comes to budgeting and all those things because they don't have that connection. So mm -hmm. getting on a Teams and then ha having to slash somebody's budget mm -hmm. without any type of relationship there, yeah. it makes people want to leave the job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting topic. Mm. Yeah. Well, what were I was actually thinking of something different for motivating people to come back. Um, just because I do see a lot of the traditional offices. So how much does like the lighting, you know, uh, compared to like this lighting or warm white versus like fluorescent lighting and then the tables that pe the desk people are working on, you know, mm -hmm. that look like the wood like this versus like the traditional white ones. Mm -hmm. How much of that really comes into effect when trying to get people back into the office? I mean, it's not maybe the most crucial factor, but mm -hmm. I think maybe also subconsciously it's yeah. very important that the office is a place where you feel comfortable, especially yeah. many people have not a chance to fit up their home offices in exactly the yeah. way they want, right. they have chairs, and, and if the office can't deliver an ergonomic quality environment, mm -hmm. then, then really I think that's an extra hurdle for why mm -hmm. people would not want to come over. Mm -hmm. So um, it's very important, as mentioned, we have a, a well-being uh, platinum certification here for our office and, and uh, I think as Felicia inside it feels very fresh there's lots of green mm -hmm. um, and the lighting is good the, the temperature we actually have different temperature zones in our office because that's again <laughs> another essential on the right temperature so <laughs> everyone can really find a place where they where they can do their work effectively it's, it's very important I would say that's so interesting, temperature zones in the office. I never thought of that. That's a huge, my whole career, that's been a battlefield. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you'll have, if you have a young Japanese woman and an old European man in the same office, they're running at two different body oh, temperatures. Yeah. Yeah. And 
you, there are going to be battles on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you get ugly. <laughs> oh. Yes, I digress. Back to you, William. Um, are there any other things that you've implemented uh, to make it more of a social hub? I think um, something that's been very important is mental health, especially mm. given mm. the I mean, pandemic, right? I think mental health yeah. was... was became more of an, uh, a factor for management and companies to yeah. really consider. And um, I mean, we have um, uh, a wellness center as well, actually, where uh, we have a variety of different rooms, you could say, that, uh, that'll help the mental health of the workforce at our company. So we have, um, it's called a first aid room, but really it's a room where if you're feeling tired or um, you need maybe a quick nap to help you know re-energize you throughout the day then we have beds there where you can nap if you're feeling unwell due to stress you can also have a moment to yourself um, we have nursing rooms as well for young mothers um, because that's something that i think japan may be lagging a little bit mm-hmm. on is sort of being accommodating to new and young mothers so we have a nursing room where young mothers can can feed their babies um, we also have a multi-purpose room so more physical health you can stretch Um, Maybe do some yoga there as well. So I think really having management and and a company that considers the the mental well-being of the workforce, I think that's also been key Mm -hmm. in having employees feeling comfortable and encouraged enough to come back to the office. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And with the hot desk system going on, Mm -hmm. like you said, it might become a problem later if too many people are coming back to the office. Mm But how do you see people reacting to it here? Do they like it, or is there a struggle to get a seat sometimes? Sometimes. <laughs> but I think, I mean, in our case, we already had the hot desking system mm-hmm. before, and so I think it's not wasn't very new for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think, you know, the fact of with hybrid work, uh, I think the days that we can expect everyone to have their own desk um, maybe except for certain specialized industries, uh, we see a lot of companies shifting away from that. Um, that was already happening before COVID, and I think it's only further, mm-hmm. further strengthen that trend. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, of course, very important, though, to keep in mind, I mean, if it's fully everyone can sit anywhere, then it's still quite hard to find people or have collaboration happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, our workplace strategy teams, they tend to do a lot of analysis on that, so to really look at who's collaborating with who, uh, which departments do we have, which teams, which which cross divisions are there, mm-hmm. and sort of come up with a layout that has neighborhoods, mm-hmm. sort of a mix, uh, that you still make sure that the right people are, are, are in the same area together. Yeah, and I mean, if I can add to that as well, I mean, nobody, especially with the hot desking mm-hmm. that we have, no one really wants to be told where to sit. And right. so the way the workplace strategy team actually encourages people to sit in certain areas to boost collaboration and productivity is to have our lockers actually next to each other. So naturally mm-hmm. we won't stray too far from our lockers and our lockers are all um, positioned by team. So we tend to sit obviously within that area, hot desking within the area of course, but again, it's a way for us to feel encouraged and I guess like that we have a choice to sit yeah. at this seat versus the seat across the whole office. So do you sit in the same seat every day? I sit in the same area for most of the time. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the same seat, uh, but the same area, definitely. Some people are, cult- are, are creatures of habit, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, and they'll sit on the same desk. Yes. But we're not naming any names, are we, William? 
<laughs> I, I put some great artwork that people in the office love. <laughs> both William and I, we have hot desking in our office, and yeah. both William and I never changed desks. In our defense, we were pretty much the main two coming to the office yeah. consistently. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think the way you just described the neighborhoods, um, how you want to have the teams collaborating together. That sounds like the best definition of a social hub in the office. Mm -hmm. Ideally, that's what you'd like to have it really. Neighborhoods working mm -hmm. together. Yeah. It's great. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anything that we haven't asked you that we should have asked you? I mean, we spoke a lot maybe on the vacancy rates already, but then yeah. the other big question is so what's that doing to the rental levels? I think yeah. that people are oh, wondering, yeah. so now, hey, is my office rent going to come down? Um, so on average, the market rents have come down by about 18% since wow. the peak, uh, just before COVID. So that's good news. Yeah. But it's also still, of course, quite hard for a tenant to actually get your own rent to go back down by as much. Because uh, it's mostly landlords are, um, as Felicia mentioned before, they're very keen to bring in new tenants to their building. They'll get discounts, mm -hmm. free rents, incentives, and other things. But for a, if you're a current tenant in a building, it's still the, the, the hurdle to negotiate with your current landlord is mm -hmm. quite high. So you really have to make sure that you have leverage and that you understand the market, what, what's being offered to other tenants in mm -hmm. that building and the neighborhood. Um, so I guess, I mean, what it also ties into, of course, that's something what we're supporting a lot of companies with. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's, it's important, yeah, that the higher vacancy also means uh, a lower rent. Uh, it's what we're seeing. Anything in particular that our listeners should do when they're going and talking to their landlords to get that rent down? Maybe speak to a professional before <laughs> you... Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, really, because, I mean, you know, as Russ mentioned, there's there's a lot of things that you need to have right because you're, you're going to negotiate against a professional, hmm. that being the landlord. So ideally it would be better to have another professional with you to help and represent you on your best interests mm -hmm. um, and I mean I, I think information is, is key here as well because again there's a lot of new supply in Tokyo mm -hmm. meaning there are a lot more options for tenants to relocate and again that all just sort of adds on to leverage that you can use against any sort of negotiations or discussions mm -hmm. you'll have with your landlord but um no, I mean, for the most part, Gareth mentioned it and, and described it beautifully. It's a very tenant-friendly market. I think tenants are will be quite pleased to know that they have a lot more, not a lot more power, but definitely have the upper hand <laughs> in the current situation. So there's a lot of flexibility and, and decisions that can be made. Fantastic. Right. Well, in the show notes, we'll make sure to add um, uh, information where our listeners can contact you in case they want to negotiate with their current landlord or take a look at other space. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, if they, I mean, JLL does, well, I've learned today, quite a bit more besides just your traditional commercial real estate, but also fitting out offices. And this is a beautiful uh, spot of where people can look at what you guys do. Um, anything else that uh, we should, listeners should know about JLL? Uh, that they can give you a call and find out more about? Yes, well, feel free to reach out to us. Um, we're uh, more than happy to welcome you for a coffee at our new office. And as Felician was saying, it's, it's a great showcase. 
Uh, we can show you around, uh, show you some of the newest trends and all the well-being aspects that we were talking about uh, and see it in, in, in real in life. Um, so, oh, great. And then thank you so much for everything. And we look forward to, uh, to discussing if anyone has any questions. Great. Well, thank you, Felicen. Thank you, Joris. And uh, William, your first uh, podcast gone down in history. How was it? Good. I didn't stutter. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, and uh, we look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very it's much. been a pleasure.